0: makers, welcome to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warlow and I've got another great guest lined up for you today. And it's someone I think you're going to really love. But before we enjoy a deep conversation together, I want to remind you why we're here. This podcast is about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, purpose, impact and prosperity for all. We want to encourage you to think a little wider about your own life from your personal and professional development to also ask the question, how can I make a meaningful impact with my life? It's time for us to find a way to live in resonance with each other and all living things. And at Sacred Changemakers, we're here to help, to build the foundations of a more equitable, loving and resonant world. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Sometimes we're gonna be interviewing changemakers and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. But first a word to our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Coaches Business School, the world's leading business training for coaches and consultants, helping them to succeed in business so they can make a meaningful difference in our world. Go to coachesbusinessschool.com to get the tools, strategies, and frameworks you need to enjoy growing your business in a way that is profitable, predictable, and purpose-driven. And a big thank you to all of our coaches, because without them, this wouldn't be possible. Okay, so... Our guest on the podcast this week is Tracy Dobbins, founder and CEO of Inspire Real Change. Now, Tracy is a published author and a military veteran with over 21 years of leadership and team building experience. He attended Liberty University, where he gained a dual masters as a graduate in human services counseling, including more than seven years of real world application in sociology and community services programs. Tracy launched Inspire Real Change in 2020 with a vision and mission of transforming homeless social services to better serve people and communities. And in fact, that is the title of the topic of our conversation today. And I'm so excited to learn more. So welcome, Tracy.
1: Thank you, Jane. It is is an incredible opportunity and pleasure to be here with you today.
0: Oh, I, I'm really looking to dive in deep with you today, Tracy. And one of the things, I mean, our listeners have just heard your professional bio. So why don't we start with me asking you, you know, who is the human that's actually behind that professional bio? Tell us something about him.
1: <laughs> well, I think <laughs> something about him is that uh, he has a huge heart for people. And um, he being me and I believe in people and um, I've always seen people that were going through different challenges, but I didn't place, I didn't, I didn't um, see them as the challenge. I always see people at their full potential. So that's what drove me to do what I'm doing now is just being able to work with people And to see that life change where people are just coming through challenges and reaching into their full potential. That's what drives me.
0: Oh, I love that. And I can hear the passion in your voice as you're you're speaking to that. Um, But it sounds like, you know, it's not a usual path to get to where you are today. So I'd love to know something about, you know, what's the kind of the journey been that's brought you to these passions and this valuable work that you're doing today?
1: Yes, the journey has been uh, pretty amazing. I was um, I was in the military for a little over twenty years, and and I was actually an intelligence analyst. And um, the typical track of somebody that was doing what I did in the military was when you you know you, when you finished in your military time, then you would go and work for the government or a contractor or whatever. But I just really felt um, in my heart that I wanted to do something um, that was bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And I just uh, when I left the military, I moved to Los Angeles, California, and I started working with homeless population there and in, and in Skid Row and, and some other places. And I really found, I guess, that 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 passion and that focus to to help people. I found it there. And uh, that's what just kind of drove me to the social services or the homeless services uh, arena, um, and working in it for about seven years now, I, I, I've, I've gone through a process of where I went from working with people, um, understanding there's different services for people, you know, um, there's organizations that do medical care or feeding or housing or shelter or whatnot, but I, through my journey, I found that I got to a place personally where I just couldn't understand why the, the, the homeless uh, population in the United States has con- and it's continued to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, it's estimated in the latest reporting that there's 580,000 individuals who are experiencing mm-hmm. homelessness in the United States. And that's actually a 2% increase from the previous year. So, right through my journey, I, I, I've, I've just got to a place where I just, I can't accept um, this as, well, this is just what it is. I can't do that. I, I have to understand what are the challenges and to bring bring change to the system that we're currently utilizing to try to reduce and, and at the end of the day, end homelessness that's where my journey kind of went through. And that's what we're doing right now with Inspire Real Change.
0: And I, you know, I love the way that you just said there so simply, you know, I, I just can't accept it.
1: <laughs> right? right? Because, right, right. I, you
0: know, I think that is such a great motivator for us, for creating something that I think of as really our, our soul work, our legacy work in the world. And it sounds like you've been called to this work. Is that too deep a thing for me to say? I mean, do you feel like it's your calling?
1: (laughs) Absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. (laughs) And and I know, and and just like what I shared earlier, I I can look back on on my journey and know that, you know what? So, you know, as an intelligence analyst, I used to analyze data in the military and now we're doing a research project with our organization and we're, I'm doing data analysis. Right. So I can directly go, wow, I can now I can see how that I'm taking all of those skills and I'm using them now, but just in a, in a, with a different demographic. Mm. So I can absolutely see that. And one of the other things I wanted to kind of, kind of uh, present to uh, your listeners is that, you know, a lot of times when we see, somebody who's unsheltered or we see people in the streets, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a mentality sometimes that, oh, well, this person doesn't want help or this person is, you know, not adhering to the rules or, or, or whatnot. And I would challenge all of your listeners to change the perspective and change your thinking to look at it as when you see somebody like that, instead of thinking, well, maybe they don't want help or they just don't want help. Think about it as, oh, maybe my community doesn't have the necessary resources mm-hmm. to help this person. So yeah. I, would, I, I, would, I would challenge the thinking in that, hey, it's not that this person doesn't, doesn't want help or is refusing mm-hmm. help. Maybe it's that the community doesn't have the resources necessary to fill this individual's needs.
0: And that is such a great reframe. I really do think that. And, you know, as we were talking before we started recording today, I mentioned to you one of my experiences coming from England, where there's a, there's different systems in place to kind of catch people that that have problems paying their own way through, through life. Um, and, uh, you know, In the first few weeks of landing in Orlando, Florida, taking my son to register at school, I noticed um, a family uh, of four, um, a mom and a dad and two children living out of a car and, you know, trying to get their their son ready this is in Orlando Florida in the heat trying to get their sun ready and mm. cleaned with wet wipes ready for school out wow. the back of the car and it yeah. was it was the first time for me that and I'll be honest and say it was the first time for me that I thought why like mm. why and how is this allowed to happen mm-hmm. just and as I got to know them the, I realized that Honestly, it wasn't through no fault of their own, right? Mm-hmm. And right. and that's not where we stereotypically land, like you say, when we think of homeless people
1: mm-hmm.
0: on the street. And so I love your reframe there because, you know what? And I want to ask you, like, and this probably is a daft question because I suppose you can't really answer it, but why do people go homeless in the U.S.?
1: Yeah, that is uh, everybody asked me that question in my <laughs> It's always no. It's always the same. Uh, there is no one main factor. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's the, there's not there's not a a template uh, that says oh well you know the, this is why people um, fall into homelessness and here's how you get them out of that because mm-hmm. every individual is different. Everybody has different experiences. Everybody has different challenges. So mm-hmm. there's not there's not a there's not a checklist you can run. To say, okay, this if this person's experiencing homelessness, then we can just do A, B, C, and D, and then you know it'll it'll solve that issue. But I wanted to also bring up something that I think is important and I and I want your listeners to 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 understand is that um, we as an organization in spiral change, we believe that homelessness is a result of underlying needs. So I always say, People just don't up and become homeless. Right. Um, you know, it, there's a reason for this. So, um, what what you had shared earlier uh, before we went we went on air was about um, I think there was somebody in Florida that you mm-hmm. had had engaged, mm-hmm. and and did you know anything any details about their situation at all?
0: Well, just that um the mom had, had some health issues, which has meant okay. she couldn't wor- work. And so okay. I think they were they weren't they were minimum wage kind of, of people. Right. And so then to try and survive on their husband's wage alone and try and pay the medical bills, and in a way they were doing the right things by trying to pay the mm-hmm. bills, and mm-hmm. that got them into Like hot water very quickly, Mm -hmm. like kind of wiped out their savings. And then they found themselves in a place where they couldn't afford the rent and they didn't have any other family, extended family around to help them. So they literally were in their car. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that, so that's actually a, a, an example of so that sounds like she had some underlying healthcare needs. Yes. And that because those needs were not being filled, or or she was not receiving assistance for those needs. It led to them going into homelessness. Yes, and I can tell you from our research project, um, we did a uh, a mid project uh, highlight report last month, and we found working with twenty individuals that were currently experiencing homelessness, we found that ninety five percent of them had underlying we call it healthcare related issues and when we say healthcare related issues that that includes physical behavioral health and substance abuse mm-hmm. but we found that 95% of these individuals we worked with had healthcare related issues that were not currently being addressed mm-hmm. so that just kind of lines up with what we're seeing as a whole is that a lot of people um, have needs that are not being filled. And that is the barrier to stable housing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I really get that. And I, in a way, I can't help being a, a, a British person. I can't help thinking about the difference in culture and mm-hmm. politics and economy and all those things. Because when I lived in England, I did believe that I lived in a capitalist country and that I understood what capitalism was. And, you know, in my role as a business and executive coach, I've worked with large global organizations. And I really thought I understood this country. But mm-hmm. until I lived here, I really didn't understand what it meant. Mm -hmm. Like every man for himself. (laughs) And that's kind of what it feels like here. And I've tried to explain to some friends and family back at home what it's like to live here. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, I didn't realize how amazing for example our healthcare system is in the UK because we all complain about it because it's not mm-hmm. perfect and blah blah mm-hmm. it's got its own issues Sure. but I have had my own health issues uh, being here in the US and I don't know without my level of earnings and salary which mm-hmm. is you know quite high now mm-hmm. I don't know how I would have coped and I've even at this level of income generation mm-hmm. i still feel i'm one car accident away from going bankrupt
1: mm-hmm. in right. the us
0: it, right. it kind of creates this underlying fear now that right. could just be me but i don't i don't know there feels there's something here that's important for us to talk about
1: yes well i can tell you from working with individuals over the last 6 or 7 years i've 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 got some pretty, um, in-depth relationships with individuals that I've worked with. And Mm -hmm. I can tell you there, there are a lot of individuals that just really feel that, you know, I, there's, there's, there's no way for me to be able to afford, um, you know, housing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, if I got, if I got a, um, a social security check every month or, or, or pension or whatever it is, I would spend a thousand to $1,200 a month to pay my rent. And then I'm left with all of $50 for food for the month.
0: Yeah.
1: So I know, I know a fair amount of people that choose to, you know, they get, they get their pension or their social security, but yet they're living in a shelter because they don't have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And um, I've actually had people tell me, I've actually had people tell me Tracy, I think I, I I don't I don't I can't believe that you're paying, you know, rent to somebody every month. I can't believe that you're paying for water every month. Like why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And it just really made me think I, th- I thought well, you know, I mean that's what we, you know, our our our, you know, biggest one of our biggest priorities have a safe place to live, a mm-hmm. safe place to stay. But it gets to a point I think where like you said, you know, we're all one major event away from significant life change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I look at and think of my own situation what you know, something could happen and I could potentially be in that position one day. I don't know. yeah. But I think at the end of the day, um, a lot of people um, really struggle to see themselves being able to handle uh, uh, paying for housing and, and being able to to live at a, at a certain level um, because they just they just they just can't afford it. And, it. and it's a tough situation. It really is.
0: Yeah. So what are the problems that you're finding in the systems that are that are causing you know the amount of homelessness that we have today?
1: Well, I think that overall, there's a lot of great organizations out there that do a lot of great work one of the things that we've been focusing on is we've been looking at um, what's called program outcomes. So for example, if a organization um, gets funding um, whether it be state funding or federal funding to execute a program, they'll execute a program. It may be a housing program or it may be a healthcare program or whatnot. Um, a lot of times those um the, the systems that are in place don't truly capture what the outcomes uh, are for services so I'll give you an example um, so an organization may be chartered to house a hundred people within a one year time frame so they're chartered to house these people and so they would go through and they would house a hundred people but When the next year rolls around, they may get chartered to house another 100 people or or 125, whatever it is. But the system is not structured to where we go back and look at what's called recidivism. And recidivism is when somebody is housed, but yet they recidivate back into homelessness. So we see a system that um, funds housing and, and people are housed. But yet, the following year, or even six months later, that system doesn't account for or look at all of the people that recidivated back into homelessness. And now we are going to be funded to be housed a second time or even a third time. I've seen people that are, have been housed three times within a, I don't know, maybe a three to four year time span. And, and I'll ask the question based on our conversation. If I've got somebody that has been housed three times and they fall back into homelessness again, what do you think is the reasoning behind that? Mm-hmm. It's the need. Yeah this person, this person had an, had an original need and the need was never addressed and filled, they were just put into housing. Mm-hmm. And then being that the need was not filled, they recidivated back into homelessness. So that's how that's how we look at it from a system perspective. And that's the type of um, data that we're going to be presenting when we when we go up to these higher levels and we go up to a program or or funding uh, program level to present these type of things to try to 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 try to better, um, I guess, I guess, I guess tr- transform the system, if you will, to better serve people and to, and to put more accountability and more uh, quality into the system as a whole.
0: Right. So let me just check my understanding here because mm-hmm. I just want to check that I understand what you're saying. I'm not making some wild assumption sure. <laughs> from what you're saying, which is that sure. um, so what I'm hearing here is that the system is, met, is kind of designed, so I'm, I'm kind of making an assumption here, the system mm-hmm. is that we have today is designed for a short-term, let's say, performance win, like somebody is now housed, mm-hmm. but it's not sustainable because what you're saying is with the recidivism, I don't know if I've said that correctly, um, that is actually showing us that this is not long-term sustainable change, and it's only the measures of the system look like it's working in the short term, because of course, people in the short term are being housed. And therefore, you know, we can check that box. But mm-hmm. when you look a little deeper, you're realizing that then those people again, cycle back round because their underlying needs are not being met. So it sounds like we have a system that's designed for something else other than what the people really need.
1: <laughs> you're exactly right, Jane. No, okay, You're exactly right. No, okay. you are. You're exactly right. That's exactly right. So we're, 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 we're operating off of a system that looks for basically the short term, uh, goals, annual goals. But in, in reality, the, the, the goal is to get somebody out of homelessness into housing and, and then for them to be able to sustain that housing. Mm. You know, it, it, we don't. Our goal is not to house somebody and then hope they figure out their own problems and hope we they never become homeless again. You know that that's to me that's a flawed uh, a game plan, if you will, um, hoping that somebody is not going to regress back into homelessness. But when we when we step back and look at it and we go, hey, we're not the, you know we're not just housing only. We're need filling. We need to fill needs. We need to get people connected with the resources to fill these needs and empower them and enable them to be able to maintain stable housing. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what the, I guess the the bigger picture that we want to focus on is.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, I and that makes just so much sense to me, and it's so interesting listening to you talk here because I see so many parallels with. You know conversations that I have with leaders in for-profit organizations where you know we've got into this cycle of what we think management and leadership is, which comes right back to the days of, you know, Frederickson and stuff, where we're just checking boxes and treating employees like they're they're just like a, a thing to be checked off the list in a way. Right. But what we're not doing is we're not we're not looking at the human and the human needs right and I see the same parallel in what you're saying here in this in this social services system of homelessness it's almost like we're checking boxes because this is my role and this is what we're meant to do so therefore we'll do it we can look like we're doing a good job but it's not inspiring in the in your words it's not inspiring real lasting
1: okay. change. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Okay.
1: And I wanted to make, I wanted to make one point too. And, and that is a great observation because with our current research project, we, we are working directly with individuals who are experiencing homelessness. Hmm. So, Cause we believe, you know, we can't, we can't sit at a office or a corporate level or an executive level and think that we understand the problem we we're embedded into our community here locally and we are working directly i have relationships with every one of these people that we're working with and this is not just we meet with them and gather some some information and data we are working with them not only to understand their background their history their current challenges but we're connecting them based on their needs. We're connecting them with resources and we're following and tracking these individuals. So we truly believe from from the heart and the DNA of the organization is in order to understand the needs of the community, we have to embed ourselves into that community. If you look at it from a a data collection um, perspective, we're going to the lowest level. We're going to the lowest denominator like the, you, you can't get. I mean, we're getting information directly from the source, directly from people experiencing this right now. Mm-hmm. So that is something that we're so passionate about because we're, we're it's like we're taking not only the data, but we're taking the voice mm-hmm. of, of, of people up. And we're, and we're advocating on their behalf. We're educating. And hopefully, like I sp- spoke about before, trying to change this overall system.
0: It's really interesting for me hearing this because I, of course, I come from a different cultural background. Mm-hmm. I, I come from a social services sector that, you know, in, in England, we have tried our best to create what we call a poverty line. And we don't want people to go underneath that. And one of those one of those criteria for kind of health and well being for all citizens is good healthcare, which is why we have free healthcare in the in right. the UK. Mm-hmm. And I, I've actually never asked anybody this: Is mm-hmm. there a similar kind of poverty line in the US? Because if there is, I've been here now twelve years and I haven't noticed it. <laughs>
1: Yes. No, there, I, I, well, I'll speak for where I am. I'm actually in South Carolina, but yeah, right. there's, there's a, there's a poverty line right. and there's programs out there that, you know, if you are below that, yeah. then you will become eligible for whatever services, whether it's housing or healthcare or whatnot. Yeah. That, that we absolutely have that.
0: Okay. Brilliant. So what is the What are the kind of things that are missing? that you're noticing from the system that we have today? Well, I mean, what is this real change that you're hoping to inspire? And I know I'm kind of asking you here for like a nicely neatly packaged solution. And I guess that it's probably much more complex than that. But I'd love to get a sense of what's emerging from the data, but also from these embedded like real human Relationships and the voices of these people that that really need help that our listeners need to hear and be aware of.
1: Yeah, I think one of the the biggest points that's coming out of our current research project is well, kind of what I mentioned earlier was that um, we've got people that are uh, that have needs and those and those needs have created barriers which have really honestly prevented them from obtaining housing and maintaining housing. A lot of the, the, the issue with it is um, we don't have a good, um, I guess, network of, of um, services that connect people with, with, uh, with services to get their needs filled. So one of the things that we've kind of been talking about ideas is what it's called a, a consolidated care center. So, we know where, where we are that a lot of the, I guess, service provider network, or what it, it is really spread out. It's really, uh, uh, you know, a large uh, demographic area. And we thought about what if we put together a consolidated care center? And if you think about it, think about it as like a triage model. So if, at a hospital, you go into the emergency room, you get a full assessment your needs are identified and prioritized. Mm -hmm. And then from that, you get directly referred to whatever service or resource to fill that need. So we've been talking about, if you can do that from a hospital uh, perspective, healthcare perspective, then why can't we do that from a social services perspective? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that, that we have been talking about and I've actually been um, really um, communicating this model with individuals that we're working with in our research project. And that's one of the biggest things that they're saying, you know, th- we don't, we, we don't have it. Where can I, if somebody is not only experiencing homelessness, but they're on the, they're on the verge of becoming homeless,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like where's a central place that I can go to, to get assistance or get help or get, get resources. That's something that a lot of the people that we're working with have really kind of latched onto and said, you know, that we need that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't understand why, why, like, why we don't have that. Um, I've worked with people that I've done an assessment with them, and we've identified needs, and I've identified um, resources to, to to fill that need, and they've looked at me and said. Tracy, I never knew this. I've lived here for five years. I never knew this existed. Mm. And that really just, you know, resonates with me that, hey, we're not doing a good job of, of, of outreach and connecting people with these services. But if we did have that consolidated care center, we've got a, a, a single um, nucleus, if you will, of, of, for social services that everybody can go to and we can go through that process, and identify needs and get needs filled That's one of the big things we've been talking about. And uh, we are going to use our data to try to um, show how we think that that would be a huge increase to people and communities um, getting the care that they need.
0: Mm -hmm. So, you know. It's interesting listening to you because, you know, right at the very outset, you talked about shifting people's perspectives, Mm -hmm. you know, when they see homeless people on the street and not just jumping to the conclusion that Mm -hmm. they want to be there for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. Mm -hmm. So in your experience, Tracy, then, you know, how much appetite is there for this through the homeless community?
1: That is a great question. And um, I would say that the appetite is dependent on the focus. Mm -hmm. Now, you've got a lot of organizations that are focused on shelter, or you've got organizations that are faith-based and focused on, um, you know, recovery programs or whatnot. For what we're doing from our perspective, we're not a, a direct service provider per se, um, but we are working towards a big picture systematic uh, type of change. Mm -hmm. From what we're doing, um, I've seen a lot of interest, um, but again, I think within the overall social services arena, I think people are more focused on what they're doing individually And, um, and, and not so much the big picture, but that's the beauty of what I guess our DNA is that we, we wanted to do something different because we thought we've got all these other organizations that are doing a lot of great things, but we wanted to do something different because I I think we can agree in order to change things, you have to do something different. And, when we talk about inspire real change, that's that's where we got our name from because we we believe in real change. We don't believe in talking about it. We believe in we we want people to be able to see it. We want people to be we want to we want to change the system and implement these these things that we think can improve the system. And we want people to go into their communities and go, man, I can see the change. They're not just telling me about it, but I can actually see it. And I can feel it in my community. But to, but to, to go back to your question, I, I truly believe most organizations are focused on their their mission or their services and what they're providing. And I think we're one of the unique ones that are uh, focused more on the on the system side of the uh, of the of the dynamic, if you will. Mm-hmm.
0: But from a systemic perspective, I mean, how how big are the problems that we're facing in this area?
1: Well, I think that um, I think honestly, I think it's a huge problem because we've got a huge homeless population, mm. and um, as I had, had stated earlier, you know, it's continuing to grow. Now, there's some states that are making some progress, and but oh, as a as a, a country itself, we've gone up two percent. Um, it is, a, it is a a, a, big, a big problem. Um, it's something that's not just going to change overnight, but we truly believe you have to start somewhere. And that's why we're starting where we are in our local community. And we're, we're doing our work and gathering our data. And then we're going to be expanding and, and, and branching out because we believe that if if we can if we can we, we have to change something. We just can't continue to do what we're doing. And if we just take these um, small steps towards uh, changing programs or changing services or or in, injecting some quality into the into the process or adjusting how we evaluate outcomes, that that's a that's a huge. Uh, change that really can present some good some good um I guess data and some relevant change to the overall system itself
0: and I feel compelled to ask I mean how has like the COVID-19 pandemic affected the homeless community
1: well it's it's interesting because um from the local area where we are operating out of, um, we saw the popular homeless population was originally, uh, or I'd say throughout the throughout 2020, they were um, the numbers were less for individuals that were experiencing homelessness. COVID numbers were were, were less.
0: Oh God. And
1: it, yeah, and it's kind of when you think about it, you think, wow, I, you know how, but in but if you think about it, a lot of these people are outside. A lot of these people right. are sleeping in parks. A lot of these people are segregated. Um, you know, there's a, there's a large percentage of the population that I work with that do not go to homeless shelters. Um, they don't, they don't, they don't like being around, you know, a lot of people or they don't um, they don't feel safe or whatever, whatever it is. But yeah, the COVID, it was pretty surprising because um, the numbers were low People were kind of you know staying on their own. However, the, the flip side of that was you had a lot of service providers that were not operating as they had done before, which reduced the number of services for people. So that was a downside of it. And um, I know here in, in, in South Carolina, um, I think a, um, amongst other states, too, a lot of the Federal CARES Act funding came down to um, kind of boost the, uh, the the funding support to homeless social services too. So whenever somebody says, oh, well, um, you know, we've seen the homeless numbers increase and then they say, oh, well, we think it's because of COVID. My response is always, well, yeah, but, you know, States continuum of care, they received additional funding to offset that. So you know, there's a, there's a balance here. There's a balance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if, you know, one of our listeners is listening to us talking here and thinking, actually, this is something I'd like to get involved with or support or help out in some way. What advice would you have for people in terms of, you know, if there's any help that they can bring to this situation?
1: Yeah, so I, I would say that um, wherever you are, um, go find a organization that's close to you that works with, you know, the homeless population or, 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 or whatever demographic that you feel in your heart that you want to work with and, um, and get connected with them and, um, and see how you can help, see how you can support. I always say, um, you know, you find a need and then you fill it and, that, and it's really that simple. Um, no matter where we are, I'm sure we can find some, something that or somebody that is in need um, and that we would be the perfect fit to step into that person's life and provide encouragement or support, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, even just, um, you know, if you, if you have a shelter near where you live going and saying, hey, you know what, I'd like to do a class. You know, whatever your specialty is. I'd like to teach a class, I'd like to do some mentoring, whatever it is, but just just go into your community, find the need, and work to fill that. And I promise you that you're going to see things um and experience uh um you know, things in your life that's just gonna blow you away. Because to me, there's nothing better than serving others, and that's what it comes down to is serving others, and there's the definitely the need out there so. That's what I would I would recommend to, to your listeners.
0: That's great. That really is. So let me just ask you one final question, Tracy, sure. which is, you know, if there's something you had hoped we'd get to today, something that we haven't got around to talking to you that you'd like to share with our listeners, and it might just be something we've missed, or it might be just some wisdom to leave everyone with, what might it be?
1: Um, I think that I would... Um, Um, Say, just from my 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 personal perspective and and my core, um, I believe in people and I believe everybody deserves a second chance. And I believe that every person has a heart and a soul and that no matter where they are, what they're going through, we all go through challenges and, you know, life's a roller coaster. Um, and whenever we, um, break through those challenges or break through those barriers, it just, it it only makes us stronger. And I live and I thrive off of seeing life change in others. And that's what gets me up every morning. Um, and that's what drives me to, to do, do what, what I'm doing. And I am just blessed and I'm thankful to be able to do it. And I can always have these stories of people that i worked with where i looked in their eyes and i hear their hearts and i and i can look at them and tell you you know what i believe in you Mm -hmm. you know you ever had somebody just look at you and you and you're going through something and they look in your eyes and they say you know what i believe in you you know what i know that you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna overcome this i'm gonna walk with you i'm gonna walk beside you through this and we're gonna get through this together that's such a powerful thing, such a powerful moment um, that nothing else to me compares to that. And that's what I would encourage people to do out there: is to get involved in different communities or, or different services or whatnot. Latch on to somebody and just and just lift them up and encourage them and walk them through challenges. You'll see you're, you're going to see the blessings in your life, but uh, ultimately. Um, it's about serving others, and that's what I believe down to my core. And that's why I do what I do. And that's what I would want to leave you with today.
0: Oh, so elegantly stated. Thank you, Tracy. And you know, as you're speaking there, you're you're actually living and embodying, you know, the name of your company, Inspire Real Change. And I, I love the way you live it in in everything that you say. So, thank you so much. For thank being you with us today.
1: Yes, my pleasure. My pleasure.
0: Okay, everyone, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. But before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And a big thank you to our sister company and sponsors, Coaches Business School, who are helping us to make a direct impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're a coach wanting to grow your impact, you will need to understand how to build a business that works today. Check out the Coaches Business School unique frameworks and methods to help you grow your business in a way that works for you and your clients and helps make a meaningful difference in our world. Hashtag transition team. It's time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs from you. Together, we can make a meaningful difference. Again, you can find us at sacredchangemakers.com and our sponsors at coachesbusinessschool.com. And if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.